back to What One Thing, a smart meetings podcast that provides you with a shortcut to the top of the events world by asking successful people what made the difference in their careers and lives. I'm JT Long. I'm filling in for Marin Bright, founder and CEO of Smart Meetings, and we have a treat for you today. Robert Strong, our Smart Woman Summit Gala MC, has a new book out called Amaze and Delight, Secrets to Creating Magic in Business, and he has promised to reveal some juicy secrets. Woohoo! Now, Robert is a magician, a comedian, and a speaker in addition to being an author. Despite his baby face, he has been in the business for 35 years and has performed not once, but twice at the White House and on every major television network. Robert, Tell us how you got interested in magic. I just want to start out saying that I love that people actually read my bio. That was fantastic. I assume I just put words on the internet and that they just float out there for Google to crawl and, and bots. Thank you. I'm like a bot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm your bot. You're a smart bot. You're like generative AI, but for real. I got started in magic when I was 12 years old. I saw a magician at the Baltimore Inner Harbor. A switch flipped. It clicked in my brain. I'm like, that's what I want to do. My father had was in an office building with a podiatrist who knew five magic tricks. He introduced me to that podiatrist. The podiatrist performed those tricks for me, showed me how they worked. And a week later, I had a business card. A week after that, I had my first birthday party and I performed a 10-minute show with those five tricks. I got paid $10 a dollar a minute. I was hooked. I've never looked back. I've done magic full-time. Actually, I think it's going on 39 years now. Crazy. Wow. Wow. You were that kid. I was that kid. I can think magic, talk magic, do magic like day and night. I never get bored of it. And, and I could see myself until, you know, if I can still pick up a magic wand, I'm, I'm going to be still turning tricks, so to speak. Wow. <laughs> your performance has definitely evolved. And if anyone hasn't seen your TEDx talk, I really recommend it because you really talk about the neuroscience of magic. It's more than just surprising and delighting, which is great too, but really understanding how people think. Yeah, I think magicians have been around for thousands of years and, and what they do more than anyone else is they think really hard about other people's point of view, their perspective, what is their experience? And magicians A-B test and they want to optimize for other people's experience. So if you're in a meeting planner, an event planner, it's also your job to think, how is this going to land? And so you put yourself in the other people's shoes and you also read the moment. Magicians have to adapt in the moment to what's going on because they've got to control focus and attention. And, you know, a really great events person will realize that you listen to the room, maybe the salad should go down because the room's telling you that. And you even though you have it scheduled for 7.15, now's the time. Or same for, you know, let's get the speaker on or it's time to wrap up the speaker. You're reading the moment and always adjusting. So magicians think long and hard about other people's perspective and they're constantly adapting to the situation that's in front of them. There's the show you plan, but there's the audience you get. So you perform for the audience that's in front of you. Absolutely. Empathy is a core competency for magicians and meeting professionals. 100%. Well, and you are also a comedian and your presentations are so funny, often because they're so insightful, right? Talk about the role of timing in life, in in magic and in events. Humor is a funny thing and it's also like a frog. If you try to dissect it, it, it dies. But I'll, I'll put a thought out there. It may not be fun for people to learn about comedy, but comedy is always about a release of tension. So laughter is always tension. So a humorist wants to build that precise amount of tension. Too much tension, it's, it's not funny. Too little tension, it's not funny. So it's really about surprise. 
kids. And if you look at, you know, the first laughs you get from a baby and I am a new dad and I've got a, a four month old daughter, the giggles come from surprise. So humor is an integral way for people to connect. It's building the right amount of tension, connecting with people and building rapport. So comedians are constantly looking for what's that button you can push to create the right amount of tension, not the one that stresses people out if something's going wrong, but that thing that happened a couple months ago that we can laugh about now. Yeah, sometimes timing is a big part of that. Pain plus time, I think he goes humor is one of the definitions. Pain plus time. I think that's exactly the recipe. Well, and speaking of humor, so it's also an important link to health, wellness, happiness, all the things planners try to inject into their events. What's a secret for being funny in the work environment? And how can we help groups connect using humor? You you really hit on it. And in the book that I wrote, we have lots of great studies that are quoted. Humor and good culture and workplace really helps people's health and wellness and happiness. And happiness is so important for productivity and, and for culture and all that. And so a secret to being funny in the work environment, you listen when you're in a meeting or an event and things just kind of peak conversation. Somebody will say something and, and you you catalog that for later. Then later you reincorporate it. So for example, if you're in a meeting, let's make one up. Someone says Sally over finance is really great with numbers and everybody goes, oh yeah, Sally is really great with numbers. You've just cataloged that in your brain. And then later you say that you learn that the next meeting is going to be in Las Vegas. You go, if we're going to Las Vegas, I want Sally on my team for poker because she's really good with numbers. We're sure to win and everybody's going to get a laugh. What's, what's good about this type of humor is it's a instant inside joke without having to have been there for years because it's an inside joke to the moment. It shows that you're really paying attention and engaging in the conversation and you're connecting things. So if we have another example, if we learn that Tim got a speeding ticket on the way to work today and so someone says later that we don't have a lot of time to get this project done and say, we'll give it to Tim. Everybody knows he's a speeder. And that's the way to kind of connect things to get humor. So just really listen to what's going on, catalog a few things. And if you find a way to connect it later, it's an instant guaranteed laugh. It's also a big laugh because it's contained within this group and you can't say it another day, another time for another group and all that. It's funny to everybody there now. So that's one. People recognize that you care about them. Yeah, I think that's it it comes through. And and uh, I think I'm listening to you. I'm like, wow, I should have had you write. Help me write my book. (laughs) You're a writer. Aren't you? <laughs> I have a full-time job. Thank okay, you, though. Well, I, I appreciate that. This book combines, as you said, the humor, the magic, the, the behavioral insights. Why did you decide to write it now? Why is this the book the world needs now? Well, I always wanted to write a book and have a, a topic that I'm an expert on. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I, by March 6th, I had ordered a three cameras and light production set up and microphones and speakers and, and special effects and so I can have this whole studio built. By March 12th, everything had arrived and everything was built. And, um, I pivoted really heavily into the virtual and did really well during that time. And so I started writing a book on how to be adaptive. I wrote one chapter and I realized that's not the book that I'm an expert on. So I looked at what I had written and I realized what it all had in common was that my, my co-writer and I, David Martinez and I, we like amazing people and delighting people. And there are things that we've learned from magic that are applicable to the business. And so there's three categories we wrote for, uh, one on how to be an effective leader. So controlling 
holding, controlling people's focus and attention and motivating people. Second category is culture. How do you create a culture of happiness so much that people love going to work? And the third category is creating magical moments for customers. And so we wrote to those three things and we spent uh, about two years saying, what skills do we have in magic and what concepts have we learned and what, what do we share with other magicians and how can we apply it? So it's a new way to look at uh, business concepts. And what's fun is each chapter, we end the chapter with teaching a magic trick that kind of drives home the concept. You can learn magic too. Win, win, win. Yes. You know, Robert, I want to go back to something that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. You said that you are a new father. How has fatherhood changed you? It changes everything. I mean, what is important is so clearly in focus now and what's not important just kind of goes by before we started the uh, podcast I was like you know I didn't really dress up for this because I got to spend a little bit more time with my daughter it's it's crazy she's four months old and the kind of play I do with her always kind of leads to smiles and giggles so now when she sees me into room she just starts giggling and my heart grows three sizes every time uh, she giggles it's pretty incredible Absolutely. We have you here on this program called What One Thing, because we talk to people about that secret sauce that makes them successful, that makes them be able to do what they do so well. And we want to be able to give some tips to our Smart Meetings community about how they can learn from that and apply it to their life. What is your one thing and how can our listeners apply that? Well, the one thing that comes to mind is when I was a 12-year-old magician, there was a community of other magicians that just jumped right in and, and offered advice and wisdom and, you know, helped recommend me for shows. And they really lifted me up on their shoulders and helped me out. And I would not be half the person I was without them. About six or seven years ago, I got an opportunity to uh, teach magic at Google. And at first I thought, well, I'm not a magic teacher. That's not my passion. That's, that's not my thing. I rolled up my sleeves. I gave it a try. And then I really found out it is my thing, helping other people learn and all that. And what it did was is it made me an expert in the things I was teaching. So giving back to the community and helping that next generation of, of whatever it is you do, not only lifts everybody up, puts lots of positivity out there and all that, but it literally makes you the, the go-to person for knowledge on a subject matter. So I strongly recommend giving back to the community because it's a win-win-win all the way around. Towards the end of Robbins Williams' life, I uh, got to share the stage with him about 17 times and I was getting to know him and all that and I got to open for him and there's just some moments that that really stuck out and I think it kind of plays to that one thing in I guess it was Mill Valley I got to share the stage and do improv with them there was like seven of us total and it was about a 90 minute show and uh, we were in the green room very small green room like a like a like a walk-in closet for a, a normal size house type of green room and uh, I was nervous as as you can imagine I was by far the youngest one there and in a breaking conversation I said, would anyone like to do a warm up? And without missing a beat, all the other performers like we're professionals. We don't need to warm up. And Robin said, well, I I would like to warm up. What what did you have in mind? And everybody was like, well, if Robin's interested, they're like, we're interested. So I I suggested, uh, how about we uh, just rattle off things that are going on that are topical in the world today, internationally, nationally, in California, Northern California, and also Mill Valley. So everybody started just rattling off things that were in news and things that were in TV commercials, things that happened on Saturday Night Live, movies that were out and all that. And then it was time to go on stage and we were all performing. Uh, The different cast members would drop in something that was really topical for Mill Valley or Northern California or or internationally, all that big laughs. And after a few big laughs from all the way on the other side of the stage, he was backstage 
stage and I was backstage, Robin Williams gave me a, a thumbs up, a smile and pointed and said, like, that laugh was yours. You you earned that laugh. That was yours. Made me, uh, made my head grow three sizes. What happened was, is after about 80 minutes of sharing the stage with Robin Williams, he walked out on stage in a way that communicated to the rest of us performers that I've got this solo. And so we all kind of gave him, gave him space. And he just turned it up to 11. He recapped the entire night playing all our characters, doing all our jokes, doing the reincorporations of things that happened earlier. Like we talked about a, a good fun way to make humor at work that that is pretty safe for everyone. He would uh, put, bring jokes back in in new ways and all that. And the audience just leapt to their feet. And then he called us all out. And we got the standing ovation. We took a bow. I get, I get in my car afterwards. I'm driving it home. And this is the one thing. He was thinking at another level of how do I take care of everyone in that green room? He's like, how do I take care of this young guy that's nervous? And then on stage, had he performed at his level, the rest of us improvisers would have looked amateurish and it would have felt bad and uneven and all that. So he performed at our level for about 80 minutes and made us look good and feel good and took good care of all the all the improvisers and then the last 10 minutes he knocked out of the park for the audience because the audience came to see robin williams and they got to see him you know at his finest and took good care of them and it was just the perfect balance where everybody felt good so the other one thing so i guess it's two things now because my math sucks the other thing is, is always look for ways to take care of others and lift them up and make them feel good what one of the things we focus on the book is like we said at the beginning, it's empathy, taking care of other people, seeing things from their perspective, but to lift other people up, it costs you nothing. Everybody wins. Just to get into practice, we talk about just hyperbolic compliments. You know, this is JT, you know, she's the best podcaster I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm so excited to be uh, sharing the podcast with her. Things like that, assuming it's coming from a, a real place, it's a great place to start in positivity. And then over time, you find your voice and how to, you know, I call them love notes, just writing sweet little things that are sincere that, that say, you know, you may made a difference. Thank you. For magic and events, Robert, you have to put a lot of time practicing and preparing. Is there a secret to tailoring the presentation to the audience? So something I do that's it's unique to me and kind of my specialty is I like personalizing or customizing my presentations. So when I get hired, I do something that I call a, a culture interview. So I get on a Zoom call and uh, for about 30 minutes, I talk to uh, HR or a VP or, or, or a CEO, and I just learn what's going on in the company. And think they're not jokes or things that are funny, but I just kind of understand the culture. And then I take a couple hours and I write personalized humor. And I'll give you an example of something I did recently for a uh, self-driving car company in San Francisco called Zooks. They did a launch and I got to perform for the launch. And in the culture interview, here's some information that I learned. I learned that five years earlier, a big tech magazine called their technology horseshit. I learned that um, they have two buildings in San Francisco that are diagonally across the street from each other. And if you have a meeting in the other building and you got to go up a couple flights, it, it takes a while and everybody's always kind of running late. I learned that everybody's always drinking LaCroix. That's just so popular. Everybody walks into meetings carrying LaCroix. And I learned that everybody loves Chef Mike. He's really charismatic. Everybody makes sure that they tend to work on Fridays because Fridays is pizza day and he makes the best pizza in San Francisco. So here's how I opened the event. I, I said, hey, everyone, congratulations on your launch today. You did it. You turned horseshit to horsepower. I understand <laughs> I understand. during a pandemic, you've got a, a pivot because who doesn't have a pivot? Um, if things didn't go well, you have had a new CEO. 
Chef Mike, and we would have done AI pizzas. Those pizzas are good, am I right? <laughs> now, before we get started, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is we found the budget to build a sky bridge between our two offices, but the bad news is we spent that budget on LaCroix. Without further ado, so you wove it started. all together. Yeah, it all yeah. What it does is it makes it just for them. And when you're talking about them, it's something we talked about in the book. When you make it about them, they give you 100% of their focus. They're not multitasking. They're not checking their phone. They're not in side conversations. When you say, Jay, JT, JT's brain lights up and says, oh, I'm going to give you my full focus and attention. The first 35 years of my career, I spent practicing the magic and preparing. Now I spend a lot of time tailoring and customizing. And planners can do that by asking questions in advance, by figuring out what it is people want to eat and see and hear and do and make it fit. Yeah, I don't know if this part made it into the book. We wrote an extra 40,000 words that never made it into the book, but we were talking about for event people to do culture interviews and you find out who was was the uh, musician that they had on their launch party 10 years earlier and what what was that that cheese in France that the CEO always talks about and what is you know what is the that color combination that everybody really liked about the earlier logo or something like that and you get those things and you can integrate it into the meeting and people are like this is the cheese from France, isn't it? And wow, that musician was the guy who was at our launch party 10 years ago. And and the event is just so much for them. And I really appreciate the fact that the meeting planner took the extra time to, to, to personalize. They feel seen, right? That's all people want. Yeah, yeah, true. That and some, some surprise and delight. Yes. That too. All right. Well, thank you so much for that nugget. That was great. Hey, uh, Robert, you're going to be with us in August at the New York Marriott Marquis for Smart Woman Summit. Don't give away everything, but what can we expect? Well, there's always going to be magic and mind reading. Uh, there's going to be some knowledge passed from my book. It's going to be a great time. And uh, what was fun whenever I work with you is that you have such great people. I listen. I mean, I guess this is peeling back the curtain a little bit. I listen to everything and then I take notes and all that. And then when I'm on stage at those events, I try to reincorporate things that I learned. So it always feels like this event is everything I'm saying is just for you, that this is created for you, that this is special. And I have an attitude that every time I'm on stage, this is the most important show of my life. And you'll look forward to me just eavesdropping and um, dropping things in so that it, it's personalized, it's customized, it's it's for you. Oh, love that. Well, so excited to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your one thing. And thank you to our audience for being here with us. We know your time is valuable and hopefully you've got one thing that makes your life just a little bit better. Smart Meetings, What One Thing was produced by Bright Business Media. Visit smartmeetings.com to subscribe to your daily dose of inspiration.